0: I can be who it says I can be, and I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open, and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for Jesus Christ who is the true reason for this season. And Lord, as we open up your word to learn more about his life, I pray that your word will act as a mirror for us to see who you've made us to be through him. And I pray that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow our lives And transformation will take place in the hearts of many through the spoken word and from your Holy Spirit. And I thank you in advance that our lives will never be the same. And as I decrease, I thank you for the anointing to teach your people your word. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What a great time of the year it is because most of America celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ. And although the, you know, Christmas, as we know it, has slowly been disguised by replacing it with an X, where Santa gets more focused than Christ, and even the manger scene has included Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman. However, we all know at the end of the day That the real reason for the season is Jesus Christ. Can you give Jesus a big hand this morning if you would? Amen. Because this season has such a significant place in the lives of believers. I wanted to share a message that would highlight things about the birth of Jesus Christ while contrasting the beauty of how His birth impacts our lives. So if you're going to take notes, I want you to write down today's title, and that is The Perfect Birth. Everybody say, The Perfect Birth. And the goal of the message is to show you the details of the birth of Christ that we sometimes overlook when we read God's Word and then show you how God has used this perfect birth of Christ to provide the perfect rebirth for us. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Genesis chapter 3, verses 14, Genesis 3, 14, and then find Galatians chapter 4, verses 4. I'll say those again, Genesis chapter 3, verses 14, and then Galatians chapter 4, Verses 4. And I have three points for you this morning. If you're taking notes, here's the first point that I want you to write down is the perfect person. Everybody say the perfect person. The moment Adam and Eve, who were the first human beings that God created, once they sinned against God and they disobeyed his commandment by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God already had a plan in place to maintain his spiritual relationship with him. See, what happened is when God created man, he wanted man to have some form of fellowship and relationship with him. And in order for that to happen, he made man three parts, spirit, soul, and body. But when man sinned against God, the Bible says that he told him, once you eat of the fruit, you shall surely die. Well, they didn't die physically that day. They ate the fruit, but they died spiritually. Everybody said they died spiritually. And so in Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 14, it says, And the Lord God said to the serpent, he's talking about the enemy, because you have done this. In other words, he convinced them to eat of the fruit. He says, You are cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon your belly shall you go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. Look at verse 15, which is where I want us to focus. And God says, I will put enmity... Between you and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Notice that the devil has seed. Just like God has seed, the devil has seed. Amen. And he says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, your seed and her seed, and it or he shall bruise your head, and then thou shall bruise his heel. In other words, God was saying uh, that there is going to come a day that... Somebody's going to come on the scene and they're going to get rid of this sin that these people just committed. This was the first prophetic mention of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And if you look throughout the Old Testament, you'll find in every book, you'll find something about Jesus Christ. In other words, God had a solution. Watch this. At the beginning for the problem of sin, that the solution was Jesus Christ, that he was going to send years later. And this was the first verbal promise. Now, go over to Matthew 1. I know I told you to go to Galatians. Keep your hand in Galatians. Go to Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 17. Matthew 1, 17. Let me show you. Now, we just read over in Genesis a prophetic word that he was going to send Jesus. And Jesus was going to bruise the head of the enemy, and the enemy was going to bruise his heel. Well, in Matthew set 17, we're going to see that promise actually coming to pass. In verse 17, it says, God chose Jesus. Watch this. Uh, so all the generations from Abraham to David are how many? 14. Everybody say 14 generations. And then from David all the way to the carrying unto Babylon were how many generations? 14 generations, and then from the carrying away into Babylon unto Jesus Christ, of how many generations? Now, that's a total of 42 generations. Watch this now. Sometimes it may seem that God's timing and our needs may contradict each other. Here it was, there was a need to take care of sin 42 generations ago, but it looked like God took his time to bring forth the solution. And sometimes that's like our lives. We're in the middle of a crisis, and it doesn't seem like God's going to show up. But let me tell you something. God's timing for our lives are always perfect. And so watch this now. Forty-two generations pass, and then God shows up by sending Jesus Christ. Let me t- share something uh, recently that that happened with me. When we went to Alabama to meet our architect for our building, and uh, I told you what happened then, uh, I was praying about the the building project and uh, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, when are we going to be able to move forward on this project? And this is what he said to me. He said, the project is your task, but the project is my timing. In other words, you can move if you want to, but it's the timing of God that determines everything. Can somebody say amen to that? Which leads me to the second Uh, point which is the perfect time everybody say the perfect time the perfect person is Jesus but the perfect time is God's so go over to Galatians chapter 4 Galatians chapter 4 and I want to show you something because uh, God has a perfect time for everything you can rush it if you want to people who rush things and don't wait for God's timing don't last Listen, I know you want to be married, but don't rush that. Because if you rush it, you may not last 19 years like my wife and I. Because I guarantee you, when you get married, there will be at least one storm in your relationship. Everybody say, just at least one. you say, Pastor, I'm in one right now. It's okay. This too shall pass. In Galatians chapter 4, look at verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of the time was come. One translation says, when the right time came, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. In other words, he's saying in his is, when the time was right is when God sent Jesus Christ. Everybody say perfect timing. perfect timing. So here's the question I have that most of you all probably don't know the answer to. When was Jesus really born? Now, most people don't know that. You know what? Most people probably don't care. But the reason I want to share it with you today is because I want to show you how powerful God's word is and how detailed God is. And when you see that, it can change your life because if God is this detailed about his son, guess who's now a son? We are. So I want you to go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to be here for a while. Luke chapter 1. When was Jesus born? Now, I don't think it should change when we choose to celebrate his birth. But what does it do? What it does for me is shine on God's word to help us see how awesome God's timing is through his word. Amen. So do I believe we should still celebrate his birth? Absolutely. But I want to show you through his word. Luke chapter 1. If you're there, say I'm there. Now you can look on the screen. I'm going to start in verse 5. Now it says, now there was in the days of Herod the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias. And Zacharias was of the course of Abiah. Now that's going to be important in just a minute. And his wife was one of the daughters of Aaron and her name was what? Elizabeth, let me just stop there and just be practical. It is not, it is not against the rules for a priest to be married. Now the Catholic church decided To have their own rules and they didn't want priests to be married. And if they want to have that, that's fine. But according to God's word, he was okay with priests being married. Do you see that? Zechariah was a priest and he was married to who? Elizabeth. So look at your neighbor and say, God's okay with priests being married. Amen. Now let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 6 and they were both righteous before god walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the lord blameless and they had no children because that elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in, in years let me just say that means they were old she had all, already went into menopause and he had went into menopause how many got a husband on menopause yeah i'll give you the symptoms later Look at verse 8. And it came to pass that while he, Zechariah, executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, that's going to be important, the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his job, his particular function was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the, at the time of the incense. And while he was doing that, watch what now happens. There appeared to him a what? An angel of the Lord appearing and standing on the right side of the altar of incense. How many would have been scared? Let me see your hand. Yeah. I, so y'all wouldn't be scared. How many would have been scared? Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, I'm praying that God will show you an angel tomorrow. Okay, an angel appeared to him and in verse 12, and when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him, verse 13. But the angel said to him, fear not, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth is going to bear a son and you're going to call his name John. Now, let's just stop there because I just see how audacious Zechariah was. He knew he was old. He knew his wife was old. But he still had the boldness to ask God for something he was desiring. But guess what? What he wanted may not have come when he wanted it. But it came when God wanted it. So if you have a desire in your heart, if you're trying to do something and it hadn't happened yet, my thing to you is keep believing. because. And guess what? God heard his prayer. God will hear yours. So let's see what happened. He said, God's heard your prayer, you're going to have a son, verse 14, and you shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall not drink wine, nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Now, I said, I read all that to show you that John the Baptist was the son of Zechariah. Zechariah was married to a lady named Elizabeth. Well... While he was serving his part, his part in the temple, he served under what they call the course of Abiyah. Now, what is a Bio? You can put my little thing up there. Abiyah was like a, a time frame in which he was supposed to serve. Everybody had time frames. And so Aaron and his family and all his... In fact, Aaron's whole family were considered priests. And they were divided by 24 different groups that they supposed to serve. And when you were a priest, what you were supposed to do is serve at least one week in the temple. So while Zacharias was serving in the temple, he was serving one week. And the week he was serving fell under what we call the course or the timeline of this group called Abijah. Well, if you look at the screen here, I have done some homework for you. You can see that there are different months ad- according to the Jewish calendar. And you can see that's what those funny looking words are. But the Jewish calendar does not match the American calendar or the Western civilization calendar. Are you are with me? But I wanted you to see in order for us to see when Jesus was born on our time frame, we had to go to their time frame. Now... The, the, the uh, Lot Abiah, you can see it here, is num- right here. That is the second week in the third month of which he was serving. So Zacharias was in the temple working in the, watch this, the second week in the third month. Now, the time frame that he was doing that was between May and June. Now, you say, well, Pastor, why is that important? It is important because I'm going to show you now. Go to Luke now. And we're going to jump down to verse 24. Go to Luke 24. We're going to come back to our little screen there. Luke 24. Watch this now. It says, And after those days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. And, well, let me just back up. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 21 or 23. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his administration were accomplished. In other words, when, as soon as he finished working his job for the week, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife, Elizabeth, did what? She conceived and hid herself five months. So basically what happened is when he saw that vision from the angel, Zechariah was like, well, God told me I was going to have a son. I need to go home and get busy. Now let me define getting busy for you. Getting busy means getting busy. Okay, if you don't understand that, getting busy means you are going to have fun with your wife. Okay, let me break it down a little bit further. That means you were having fun without contraceptives. Do you get it? How many get it? Raise your hand. Okay, if you don't, ask me after service, and I'll explain it to you. He went home, and the Bible says his wife conceived. And when did she conceive? Well, remember, put my put my my, my little screen back up there. My little form back up there. Okay. He was serving around the May-June era. That's the, the segment, okay? So if she conceived, that's when she conceived in that time frame. But you say, well, Pastor, why is that important? Because when, if we find out when John the Baptist was born, Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. Guess what? They were six months apart. So if we can find out when John the Baptist was born, We'll find out when Jesus was born. Are you with me? All right, so let's keep going. Look now in verse 26. And in the sixth month, sixth month of what? It's not the sixth month on the screen. It's the sixth month of Elizabeth because I'll show you why. Watch this. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin who was a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was who? Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Hail, you are highly favored from the Lord. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled, at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation was this. Verse 30. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31. And behold, you, have conce- you shall conceive in your womb And bring forth a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus, he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of of his father David. Watch this now. Verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel how shall this be seeing I know not a man? She said, how am I going to get pregnant if I haven't had uh, uh, intimacy with a man? Verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. Watch verse 36, very important. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth She has also conceived a son in her old age and this is the what class? The sixth month with her. Stop right there. So we can see here that Jesus was conceived with Mary six months into John the Baptist's mom being pregnant. Are you all with me so far? Now let me explain to you why this is important because see, Jesus could not have been born by a natural man's seed because we were all born sinners. After Adam and Eve sinned against God, everybody after them were automatically born sinners. This is why people, it's not about your good works and how good of a person you are. Being a good person don't get you into heaven. Jesus Christ and what he's done for you, that's what gets you in. So guess what? When Mary was conceived, it had to be a seed that was not contaminated with sin. Now, blood has sin in it. So that means everybody, even Mary, was a sinner. So what God had to do, he said, you know what? I need this seed that's inside of her to not have no sin. So guess what? I'm going to deposit my seed into her. Now watch this. This is why the blood of any child... The type, blood type, is always determined by the father. That's why on Jerry Springer, they always say, Who's the father? <laughs> well, who do you think they go and test to see who the father is? They test the dad. Well, how do they test the blood? They just match the DNA. And the watch this. The father is the one that determines the, 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 uh, the what do you call it? The, the blood type and also the, the uh, sex of the child. Well... Since a man, if if Joseph's seed would have been contaminated with sin, God said, no, I'm going to put my son's uh, 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 seed in her. And that's why she could be born, he could be born of Mary because their blood didn't mingle. It was the blood of the father. Are you with me? So now, when was Jesus born? Well, go back to my little uh, screen here because remember... Mary conceived how many months after John the Baptist's mother? Six months. So all we have to do is see when he served, Zechariah served in the temple, and then just count forward. So go to the next screen for me. All right, so John the Baptist was number three. So it says Simon. That was May, June. That's when he was serving. Well, as soon as he went home, remember what did he do? He got what? He got, y'all remember that, didn't you? He got busy. When he got busy, John the Baptist was conceived. Now, all we have to do is count six months or, let's see, let's see. Uh, six months after that would tell us when Jesus was conceived. So let's just count forward. June, July, August, September, October, November, what? December. So now look, look. Conception of Jesus, November to December. December. And all this is in the Bible. I just cut out all the homework for y'all. So now, if Jesus was conceived six months after John the Baptist, and that was in our November, December, or Kislev, which is the Jewish calendar month, all we have to do now is count nine months after that, and it'll tell us when Jesus was born. So how many months does it have to take a baby? How many months? Nine. In the first service, they was confused. They said ten. It might take some of y'all 10, but it's really nine months. So let's just count nine months from December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, birth of Jesus Christ, September, October. So that's really when Jesus, that time frame was when he was born. Let me tell you why that makes sense. Because if the shepherds are out there field, you know, feeding sheep, they wouldn't be out there in the snow doing that. You know, it gets cold over there. Y'all know it gets cold? So they were outside, you know, taking care of their sheep. Well, they'd been freezing if it was zero below down there. So really, that was a time frame based on our calendar. Well, why am I saying that? Well, I'm saying that for my next point, which is the perfect solution. Because when you see, you can now take that down and put up my next verse. When you see now why God went through all that, showed us in Scripture, how much detail does he have for your life? You know, uh, Romans chapter 5. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, look in verse 6. People think, does God really care about me? He does. If he went through all that trouble to line up things for Jesus Christ to be born, he did all that for you and me. Amen. It says in Romans chapter 5, look verse uh, We're going to start in verse 6. It says, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, everybody said at the right time. In due time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. That means everybody who was born in sin were considered ungodly. Keep going. He said, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. Go to the next word. But God showed his love toward us in that while we were yet what class? While we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Go to the next verse. I'm going to show you something. He said, much more than being now justified, how? His blood is what justified us. Why? Because his blood contained no sin." Jesus is considered our high priest. So let me tell you how it works. In the Old Testament, the, the, the priest would walk into the, the Holy of Holies and they would offer up sacrifices and stuff and they would take the, the blood of bulls and goats. They would take that in and they would take it in on the behalf of the people. But see, because an animal didn't sin, guess what? The sins of the people just resurfaced again. But Jesus walked into the throne of God with his own blood it says here much more than being justified by his blood we shall be saved from what? wrath through him in other words guess what the reason we celebrate or should celebrate this season is not because it's the season of gift giving it's because there's a season because we've been given a gift and that gift is Jesus Christ are you with me so guess what Now, we can appreciate God's gift of Jesus Christ because Jesus fixed a problem before we were even born. I mean, we were already going to be born in sin and he knew that. He said, you know what, I'm going to take care of that problem before they get there. Now, if God has the power and ability and desire to fix a problem spiritually before you got here, how much more is he willing to fix a problem while you are here? There is no problem in your life that God can't fix right now. As a matter of fact, he's already, he's already created a solution for the problem before you, even, before you even made it. And here's what's interesting. Some of us think that God won't fix the problem if we made it up ourselves. In other words, if you got yourself in the problem, some of us don't think God is willing to get us out. Listen, Adam and Eve created the problem. God was still willing to get them out. But I don't care what problem you brought into in your own life. God is willing and desiring to get you out. So don't let the devil make you think, well, you got in this mess. You on your own. You are never on your own. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God is saying, I'm with you all the way. I will not quit. And some of you need to raise your faith today. Because, see, the real meaning of Christmas is Jesus. And you know what? I can truly appreciate him because... Now I can see what he really did. Do you know he changed our spiritual status? I mean, at one moment, you were a sinner. The next moment, when you accepted him, you became righteous. Let me put it like this. How many have been to jail before? Well, I won't ask that question. Do you know somebody who's been to jail before? Raise your hand if you know somebody that's been to jail. Can you imagine somebody supposed to go to jail spend some prison time, and somebody decides to step up on their behalf and say, you know what, Judge? Tell you what, I'll do the time for them. That's what Jesus did for us. He says, you know what, God? I know. Father, I know that Adam sinned. I know that Eve sinned. But you know what? I want to replace them. He said, well, son, somebody's got to die. He says, I'm willing to do it. So now... That's why the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. Why? Because the blood is always there. And let me tell you something about the blood of Jesus. It don't dry up. See, the reason why, when you get saved, you are saved forever because, watch this, his blood did not just take take care of your past sins, but it took care of your past, present, and even future sins. You can't see in your way out of salvation. Once you get spiritually reborn, you are born forever. Once I became my parents' child, I can't get out of the family. I'm still a Connor. I can move on the other side of the world and never talk to them again. But I'm still their son. Well, once you're born into the kingdom, you are God's son and you can't get out. You can't lose your salvation. And when you know that. You know, when I first learned this. I said, man, I'm really saved. I mean, I knew I was born again, but I learned that I was really saved. I said to myself, boy, I can go back to smoking weed now. (laughs) No, no, I'm telling y'all what I was thinking. I said, I'm saved. I can go back to smoking weed. And then the scripture came to me. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So now I'm not serving God because I think I may end up in hell if I don't. No, no, no. I'm serving God because I love him and I love what he has done for me. So your motivation changes. It's not a fear tactic anymore. Because, listen, once Christ is in, the devil is out. And the only way the devil can create hell in your life is right here on this earth by causing you to make decisions that ain't like God. But when it comes to you dying, hey, heaven's your home. But see, I want to experience heaven down here too. And all you have to do is stand in that word right there. And the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll what? He will flee. Some of y'all ain't resisting long enough. It didn't say resist him one time. It didn't say resist him two times. It says resist the devil and he will he will run. Maybe you have to resist him 20 times. I know that man's been, been, been calling you. Well, you shouldn't have gave him your number. Well, if he keep calling, just let him know, hey, look, I'm not interested. I shouldn't have gave you my number. I'm sorry. And so please don't call me back in Jesus' name. <laughs> then if he don't get the message after that, guess what? Change your number. Amen. So here's the question I have. I wonder how many people in this room have made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ for him to change your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, right there at your seat. I believe there are some people sitting here in this room that need to make an eternal decision for their life. In other words, what I'm saying to you is, the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believes.